About a year after Stephanie and I were married, we began trying to get pregnant. Well, like so many other couples, it didn't happen right away. So we prayed, we read a good deal, we followed various guides, and finally, Stephanie became pregnant. Oh, we were both overjoyed. I mean, we couldn't believe it. I was actually gonna be a dad. My heart was filled with joy. Well, it was about the third month when we went for an ultrasound. And the first thing the doctor said was, oh my, it looks like you're gonna have twins. Twins. Well, that's one of those words you can't ever prepare for. I mean, wow. Well, instantly I, I was overwhelmed at the thought of feeding and changing not just one baby, but two. But I didn't have time to digest those words the doctor said because his disposition dropped. And he left the room to bring someone else in to look at the scan and, and then he confirmed our worst fears. He told us, I'm sorry, but it looks like there's no heartbeats. Well, that drive home was a long one. I can remember the whole way. Stephanie and I were heartbroken. Our dreams of being parents were dashed and I remember being angry at the brokenness of this world and at God even for letting this happen. I mean, I couldn't understand why. So here's my question. As people of faith, how in the world are we to react to a moment like that? I mean, what's even appropriate? How do we find the words to pray, the right path to faithfully navigate our anger and pain, and eventually to find hope? One of the many things I love about the Bible is that it never attempts to sugarcoat the brokenness of this world. It's a really raw book, really. It's about real people who went through real pain and they felt the real brokenness in this world. And the good news is that the Bible is filled with prayers that teach us exactly how to do that. Now, you won't find these prayers in a children's Bible, which is good because they'd confuse most kids. They're so raw that they say things like, why God and, and where are you? And, and if you love us, why is this happening? personally pulled out these prayers many times over the years when I was in despair. But rarely do we offer these prayers together in worship because rarely do we collectively experience anguish all at the same time. But we are now. And we need these prayers. Prayers that voice the pain of the son who lost his mother but now can't gather the family to mourn her death. Prayers that address an elderly woman who's lonely and afraid to leave her house for fear of infection. Prayers for the person who lost their job and can't pay the bills. And prayers for the student who lost their senior year and can't even gather with their classmates to graduate. Not to mention prayers for the low simmering anger that we all have as we adjust to this new normal. Well, the Bible gives a word to these prayers, lament. Biblical lament is more than expression of sorrow. It's more than simply walking through the stages of grief. Lament is a prayer in the midst of our pain that leads us to trust. It's the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. L lament is the ongoing prayer we say when we try to resolve our suffering 
with God's sovereignty. It's that song that stands in the gap between our pain and God's promise. So to lament is to affirm this world is broken and yet to continue to trust in God. Uh, to put it simply, lament is how we faithfully bring our heartache to God. And if you're in, in some kind of despair right now or, or maybe just fatigued by the season, I wanna show you how biblically to bring your heartache and frustration to God. And even if you're doing okay right now, I wanna help you be prepared for the next time, the, the time when you're going to need to lament. And the way that we're gonna do this is by taking a look at somebody named Habakkuk. Uh, the best way I can introduce you to Habakkuk is through a sculpture. In the Sacred Museum of the Vatican, there's a 16th century sculpture by Bernini entitled Habakkuk and the Angel. In this masterpiece, Habakkuk is holding this packaged bag as if he's intended to travel somewhere. But he's stopped in his tracks by an angel who grabbed him by the hair. And as Habakkuk stops to see what's around him, he is overcome by all the evil he sees so much so that he cries out to God, begging him to take action. And so how does he address God? Through a lament. Well, not too long ago, we were just like Habakkuk. We were just walking along on the way when one day God redirected us, pulled us up by the hair, if you will. And now we're sequestered in our homes, no longer able to go where we want. We're forced to reflect on the brokenness of our world. I mean, it's really been a jarring experience and, and a healthy way for us to respond to this is through lament. Now, if we're going to learn how to lament, the first step is to learn its structure. Uh, songs have structures, you know, a, a verse, a chorus, and sometimes a bridge. Well, a lament has a structure too. A lament typically includes four key elements, a turn to God, a complaint, a request, and then a willingness to trust. And each step of lament is an element and a pathway toward hope. In the address, our hearts are turned to God in prayer. A complaint then is clearly lays out uh, the reasons for our despair to God. And from there, the lament usually makes a request to God for him to act. And then finally, a lament ends with a renewed trust and praise. So let's start with the first step turning to God. Habakkuk 1 verse 2 says this, How long, Lord? Now, if we're looking for a faithful way to process our pain, we can't overlook this really important first step. Where is it that we should take our anger, our pain, and our frustration? Well, we should take it to the Lord. Why? Well, because he's the one who's in charge. He's the one who could actually do something about your situation. Others of us are more inclined to turn inwardly, stoically swallowing our pain in silence. But you see, to not cry out to God is to imply that he doesn't care or that he's really not in charge. And look, if you go down either of these roads for too long, you'll wallow in despair and you'll eventually lose hope. So the first step in learning to lament is to deal with your pain and your frustration in a healthy way and turn to God. Then the next step is to voice your complaint to God. A few years ago, I was in a community group with some dear friends in California, and we began talking about this idea of voicing our complaints to God. And one of my friends openly disagreed with me. She said, 
I've always been taught that we're not supposed to complain. And she quoted Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing. Now, I have to admit, <laughs> this verse is one of every pastor's favorites. I mean, it saves us a bunch of trouble in the church. However, recognize the context here. Paul is not speaking to us about our prayer life. He's instructing the people in the church how to treat one another and the leadership. He's not telling them to refrain from lifting their laments to God or from being honest in their prayers. So let's take a look at Habakkuk's complaint. Habakkuk 1 verse 1. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out violence, but you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Now, Habakkuk lived in an incredibly uncertain time. The 10 northern tribes of Israel had been decimated, and now the Babylonian army was threatening the remaining two. I mean, you would think that this, this threat would drive God's people to their knees, moving them to turn away from wickedness. Instead, the people persisted in their sinful ways. Even the kings were unfaithful, none of which should surprise us. I mean, you'd think right now with this pandemic, it would bring people back to God. But instead, too many people are still exclusively looking to science and the economy for relief. And such, such obstinance toward God infuriated Habakkuk. So he cries out to God and he says, where are you? Do you not see what's happening here? If you're truly the sovereign God of us, why are you not righting these wrongs happening all around us? Come defend your honor. So, do you ever feel this way? I mean, if you're like me, it's every day, right? I mean, many of us have wondered why God would allow this pandemic to impact our world and especially the most vulnerable. Or last week, we witnessed the brutal murder of an African-American man in, in cold blood, and it rightly makes our blood boil. And we wonder, where were you, God? Well, what I absolutely appreciate about the scriptures is that, is that they offer us the permission to pray like this. Here, Habakkuk, along with the multitude of Psalms, offers us a model for pouring out the pain that we have to God with brutal honesty. I mean, did you know that God even wants you to pray this way? And when you're suffering and in pain or despair, God wants you to be honest with him and pour out the complaint that's on your heart. But, and this is a really important but, we cannot remain in this step simply pouring out our anger to God because if we complain to God without taking the other steps in a lament, we do sin. Uh, we also have to take these next steps as we pour out our lament. So having voiced our complaint to God, the next step in a faithful lament is to present your request to God. Let's take a look at how Habakkuk voiced his request in Habakkuk 3 verse 2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember your mercy. So here Habakkuk is taking, uh, or he's talking about the deeds that God performed in the Exodus. When he worked miracles to release his people from slavery. And he's saying, 
well, you did this in the past. Everybody knows that. You're famous for it. So why not do miracles like that again today? I mean, it makes sense, right? Who among us at one time or another hasn't wondered why God isn't flexing his muscles and intervening? So remembering who God is and what he's done is so important for all believers. We need to remember that the God who worked to save his people in the past is the same God who cares about you and I today. We need to remember that God is a God who continues to save, which, okay, which might prompt you to ask, if that's true, then why hasn't God answered my request? Well, actually, God has answered each and every one of your requests. Uh, did you know that there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer? His response is always one of three things. Yes, no, or not right now. God always answers our prayers. The, the challenge is that we must be willing to surrender our requests to his divine wisdom. So, but don't give up hope. Never think that God isn't hearing you. Never think that somehow God no longer cares. God wants you to present your request to him and he is the God who saves and cares for you and he will answer your prayers. Which of course leads us to the final piece of a lament, a willingness to trust. Now, without a doubt, this is <laughs> no, the hardest and most challenging step but it's also the most important step because when we voice our pain to God, we need to eventually turn and trust him. And while God answers our prayers, again, he doesn't always do it and answer those prayers in the ways that we want. So the challenge is trusting him in the meantime. Well, God certainly didn't answer Habakkuk's request in the way that he wanted. Let's look at God's response to Habakkuk's complaint. Habakkuk 1 verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe, even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. Well, God hears Habakkuk's prayer and he answers. Uh, he was determined to bring about justice. He's not blind. But the method God chose was devastating. God chose to raise up the Babylonian army as a last ditch effort to dis just to discipline his people uh, and bring them back to himself. But <laughs> it's not exactly the method Habakkuk had in mind. And right now, this pandemic is not exactly the means that we were hoping God would use in our world. But there's no question that God is using it. In fact, did you know that in this season we've had almost double the number of people tuning in on a Sunday than we would normally have meeting in the building. Now, it's not the means I would have chosen to connect with more of you, but God has his ways. So when God answers our prayers in a different way or outright says no, you know, we have an important choice to make. We can become bitter and angry, rejecting God's direction, concluding that he doesn't care, or we can do what Habakkuk ultimately does we can place our trust in God. Habakkuk 3.16 says, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, 
though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. So in a roughly ascending order, Habakkuk describes the severity of what is about to happen to Israel. Figs were a delicacy. And if the fig trees didn't blossom, you wouldn't miss them, but that wouldn't be a real, I mean, you'd miss them, but it wouldn't be a real hardship. Grapes were used primarily for wine. So once again, eh, you could survive without the grapes. Wouldn't be the end of the world. But olives, olives were used for oil and were used constantly for cooking and light. And with that phrase, Habakkuk is describing a real inconvenience, even a privation. But, but then notice what happens. The fields no longer produce the two staples, barley and wheat. Here he's talking about genuine suffering, even starvation. And if your crops fail, of course, there'd be nothing for the sheep and cattle to eat. So Habakkuk is saying, after the Babylonians come, all is lost. But now watch what happens. There's this sharp turn in Habakkuk's lament, and the shift comes with one little word, yet. Habakkuk 3.18, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Although all is lost, Habakkuk is finding a way to rejoice in his lament. Why? Because he trusts in God. He's quaking, yes. But he also has this quietness and joy because he knows that God is good. I find that amazing. So let me ask, in the midst of your struggles, have you found your yet? You know, that element of faith that allows us to turn to God and trust him even in the midst of our pain. So even if you haven't, here's the good news. There is one who has faithfully offered a lament on our behalf. He cried out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are words from Psalm 22, one of the rawest laments in the whole of the Bible. And Jesus wasn't expressing a lack of confidence in God. He actually was telling everyone around him that he trusted in the Father. Why? Well, because the Psalm ends with this confident trust in God, like a good lament. It says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Now, of course, the Father honored Jesus' faithfulness. Three days after the greatest injustice in the history of the world was committed in the crucifixion of Jesus, the Father resurrected him from the dead. So even, even when we stumble in our trust of God, remember that Jesus trusted for you that he was faithful on your behalf all the way to the cross. There's a word that J.R.R. Tolkien used to describe the process of lament. He called it you catastrophe. And of course, you meaning good and catastrophe meaning bad. And if you've read The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings or seen the movies, you can think, I'm guessing, of numerous examples where you catastrophe is like a critical part of the story. And Tolkien describes catastrophe as that sudden happy turn in a story which pierces you with the joy that brings you to tears because it's a sudden glimpse of truth. And as we navigate this time of challenge, this, this time of catastrophe, when before God brings about a resurrection in our lives, 
the way that we can remain faithful is to practice lament. So here again are the elements of lament. One, turn to God. Two, a prayerful complaint. Three, a request. And four, a confident trust. Now maybe you're in the valley right now, or maybe you're just frustrated over this strange season. Well, when you walk down a dark road, allow lament to do its work in your life. Keep talking to God, lay out your complaints, ask boldly for what you need and make the choice to trust God every day. And don't quit. Let your pain become a platform for praise. Don't give up hope. Allow your lament to be your song. The scriptures tell us that one day, we will sing together in God's kingdom and we will be all gathered together for all eternity. And when that time comes in its fullness, we're going to sing songs probably from the scriptures, but they won't be songs of lament. In God's presence, there will be no need for lament. And until that day comes and we live between these two worlds, as we walk that path between earthly brokenness and heavenly restoration, lament is our song for this journey. May you sing it out with confidence, trusting in him. Let's pray. Father, we live in a broken world where there's so many things that are just painful. I pray for the people right now who are struggling, struggling in this season, struggling maybe through depression, struggling through job loss, Lord, whatever it is. I pray that you would help them to find the right words to connect with you and to do it in a way that's faithful to how they feel and faithful to you. Help us to lament, Lord. But we do, we long for the day when this lament will be over and we will be with you for all time. Until then, Lord, help us to trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you that he was our perfect response even when we don't respond faithfully. Help us to trust in him. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.